if a black man helped to conceive a child but did not father that child, which is to say that if said black man did not protect the child, did not nurture the child, was not financially responsible for the child, then that father would be called a deadbeat without hesitation. That father would be called a deadbeat with regularity, with anger, with malice. And I know this to be certain because right now, people are in an uproar on social media about a father who isn't taking care of someone else's kids. I think about this within the context of Roe versus Wade, or rather the striking down of that landmark Supreme Court case. And I think about the capacity for forced births in a country that does not protect, does not nurture, is not financially responsible for its children. My thing is this, moving forward, when we talk about deadbeats, we too should sing America. Um, to, be a Negro, to be a Negro in this country and to be um, relatively conscious is to be in a state of rage. Almost, almost all of the time. You wonder why I spit the truth and not to make no dope. To make a difference. Sort of making a difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon. Here for a good time, not a long time today. So I want to jump right into this discussion. I initially, look, I wasn't going to say anything about Roe versus Wade and the striking down of it simply because, like, social media and I, I just think our society in general, like, we've become like a very reactionary society. Society. And I've had to check myself on this because, you know, it's easy to, you know, write things on social media, even to write columns. But the actual work, not even so much just being proactive, but just actually understanding like the times that we're in and responding to the times that we're in in a way that's productive and um, that, you know, really is a is a profound response to the stuff that we see going on. The revolution for a lot of us ends after a social media post. It's like, OK, I posted that, you know, uh, Roe versus Wade, that was that was a terrible decision, you know, and you know, we post these clever memes and things, and it's just like, but what really changes? So for me, I just you know, I really was just gonna take a step back and, you know, lament the decision and you know, and look at the ramifications of it. Heard from my man E, shout out E. He was like, Hey man, I'm waiting patiently on your thoughts on this. And you know, we talked about it for a bit, but it's just just some things that I really just want to get off my chest about it. First and foremost, I want people to understand that the striking down of Roe versus Wade takes the abortion um, discussion and abortion rights and makes them states' rights. And I think that's a very important thing to understand. So however you feel about um, the decision one way or the other, understand that you can now go to your state government and have that discussion. You don't have to go to D.C., you can go to your state government, you can go to your state representatives, whether senators or actual representatives, and you can say, this is how I feel about that decision. You can protest that decision from your home state. That's important. That's the type of uh, proactiveness and uh, political, I think, awareness and advancement that we should see from 
everyone, not just about Roe versus Wade, but just in general. There are a lot of perilous things going on right now in our society. There are a lot of just um, dangerously capitalist things, hyper-capitalist things going on that, you know, people are, I don't want to say they're not assessing because, look, we can all go to the gas station and see, man, gas is high as hell. We can see, you know, the the literal price of inflation and how much that is, is hitting us in our daily lives. But now is the time for people to just have a profound response against all of these things that are going on. I was just talking, I was actually talking with my dad earlier and I was saying, dad, do you understand that? Like we're literally, we're, we're just two years removed from, you know, uh, George Floyd uh, being murdered in front of our eyes. And, you know, at the initial point of the, the tragedy, you know, and for, and for the next six months, like everybody was on fire. And then it was like, okay, so Joe Biden got elected and just, we've slowly watched how that eye on the oven's been turned down and turned completely off. So now two years after Floyd, like there's like no, I mean, there there's little progressiveness to speak of. I mean, there's, of course, there are always, you know, people who represent the Vanguard and who are always, you know, speaking to issues and, you know, who are who, folks who are doing the work. But by and large, as far as a nationwide consciousness, you know, in response to what happened with George Floyd, like that's totally gone. And to be clear, that is a problem. That is a huge problem. When we talk about abortion rights, all of it starts with education. And what I mean by that is, is that, and, and this is where this country is a deadbeat and it fails us so much. It fails us so much because in... Instead of education, instead of empowerment, what we get a lot of in America is propaganda. And what, I, and what I mean by that is, is that you have a lot of people talking about abortion and abortions rights that do not understand the first thing about a woman's body. Because we don't teach sex education in America that way. The way sex is taught in America is through um, over-sexualizing things, um, through advertising, is through pornography. That's how sex is taught in America. And that is, of course, done to our detriment. It is also done intentionally because when you teach sex in those ways, what happens is, is that you objectify men and women in, a se in, um, in terms of sexuality, in terms of even intimate partnerships. And that's just one of the reasons why we're always fighting on social media is because people get in relationships and it's, well, why, does the, why, is it, why doesn't this person value me in this way? Or why doesn't this person do this for me? It's because we see relationships as transactional instead of spiritual, instead of um, ways that we can enrich each other. And through our union or partnership, we enrich the community as a whole. No one sees relationships like that. It's quite simply, what can you do for me? Ironically enough, the place where we should be transactional is in our politics. And I'm speaking to black people because undoubtedly, the discussion about Roe versus Wade, like many other discussions, is going to come down to, well, I will say white liberals saying, hey, we want black people to play superhero. Black folks have carried water for the Democratic Party for entirely too long when you think about that not being a transactional relationship. Because if you think Joe Biden is a worthy prize for your vote or for your labor, you flat out playing yourself. And I hope now people understand the Never Trump discussion was silly. Biden and Trump were both terrible decisions. Um, I remember this uh, episode of Fresh Prince. It's one of the, like, the most memorable things I've actually ever heard on TV. Um, it was the butler said it, Jeffrey. And Jeffrey said uh, something was asked of Jeffrey. And 
well, Jeffrey would they um they wanted Jeffrey to make a choice about something, and Jeffrey said it's a tie, they both lose. And that's actually how I felt about the two party system since 2016. At any rate, uh, educate ed- education is so important. I'm asking this as a listener of the podcast. Have you looked at the original Roe versus Wade decision? Have you read that for yourself? You can go to Wikipedia and read it. There's so, so much literature, so much reading that can be done. I'm not talking about, you know, biased perspectives on, you know, pro-life versus pro-choice. I'm talking about actually looking at the meat and potatoes, the nuts and bolts of Roe versus Wade, the ramifications of that, why all of this is so relevant in this moment. Have you looked at those things? If not, I challenge you to look at those things, to read them from a non-biased educational perspective. If you have any questions in that regard, uh, you can actually uh, contact me. You can uh, can, uh, shoot me an email. Make it a different show, M-A-K-I-N, a difference, D-I-F-F-E-R-E-N-C-E, show at gmail.com. You can ask me anything and everything, and I will send some stuff to you in that regard. Um, make it a difference. Educational podcast, empowering podcast. That's what we want this to be. I do want to go back to the transitional piece because I do think that nuance is required there as well. Uh, sorry, great commentary from uh, Irami Osifringpong. Think the world of him and just his his takes on politics in general. And he said, look, um, as black folks, if white liberals are going to come to black people and you know ask to be saved um, on this issue and ask for the support on that issue, then that same energy needs to be devoted to reparations. I agree with that wholeheartedly. There's no challenge with that. Like, that's non-negotiable. Where the challenge comes for black folks, and this is what happens with a lot of us, is, you know, we find ourselves at odds with other um, nationalities of color, other nationalities of color, other disenfranchised groups. And when we see those groups get legislation with their names on it, when we see... Um, other groups, you know, get the support that they're looking for from mainstream media, we lash out at those groups instead of lashing out at the government, instead of lashing out at the media and holding those entities accountable. And I've personally come to uh, a, a peace and a solace about that because I understand the reason why the black lobby isn't better is because of two reasons. Number one, because America is a profoundly anti-black institution, a profoundly black, uh, anti-black uh, country, an anti-black, um, look, capitalist, imperialist uh, dictatorship. But what I also understand is that the folks who are put in place, um, you know, in, in political position who look like us do not lobby for our issues at all. When I see a Jim Clyburn, when I see a Stacey Abrams go harder for the police than they do for reparations, that's extremely problematic, and I understand that those individuals do not represent black people and black politics when they present those perspectives. And you might be wondering at this point why I'm introducing all of these di- different concepts, and it's very simple. All of these things are central to the discussion. When you have politics, when you have uh, decisions that are made that reach the level of attention as uh, the decisions that the Supreme Court Uh, the the decision that the Supreme Court just made, it's an indictment on the country as as a whole. And it is a particularly important point of reference for black people because what happens is is that when decisions are made that negatively affect the populace, understand that it's going to affect black people um, that much more severely. And it's that reality which, like, really allows me to be very cautious 
when I'm making commentaries and when I see people say certain things. You know, people talk about, you know, uh, the history of Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood was founded by a eugenicist, and there are ramifications with that. I understand that, and I understand that reinforces the need for black people to be very vigilant. I also understand that Planned Parenthood has provided health care and access to health care for so many black women and black girls who otherwise would not have had it, and that cannot be trivialized in the discussion about abortions or abortion rights and about women's rights. Because here's the ugly truth of the matter. This country, in its hypocrisy and just its, its faultiness and its just flat out being the culture of being wrong, still tries to legislate morality. And here's the thing about trying to legislate abortion rights, is that if a person wants to have an abortion, they're going to have an abortion, point blank, point blank, period. They can either have an abortion in a hospital where they have access to health care, or they can have it in their living room floor. A person can have a newborn child and send it to you know, the newborn, uh, to the uh, baby ward, or they can put that child in the dumpster. That is gruesome. That's the reality of this country. We've seen it far too many times. Need a reminder? Here's one right here. You're listening to Making a Difference. Cause I bet Brenda doesn't even know Just cause you're in the ghetto doesn't mean you can't grow But oh, that's a vote, my own revelation Do whatever it takes to resist the temptation Brenda got herself a boyfriend Her boyfriend was a cousin, now let's watch the joy And she tried to hide a pregnancy From a family who really didn't care to see Or give a damn if she Went out and had a church of kids As long as when the check came they got first dips now Brenda's belly's getting bigger But no one seems to notice any change in her figure She's 12 years old and she's having a baby In love with the molester who's sexing her crazy And yet and also thinks that'll be with her forever And dreams of a world with the two of them are together Whatever, he left there and she had the baby solo She had it on the bathroom floor and didn't know so She didn't know what to throw away and what to keep She wrapped the baby up and threw him in a trash heap I guess she thought she'd get away with Hear the cross, she didn't realize how much the little baby had her eyes. Now the baby's in a trash, ballin'. Mama can't help her, but it hurts to hear her calling. Brenda wants to run away. Mama say you're making me lose pay. And social workers here every day. Now Brenda's gotta make her own way. Can't go to a family, they won't let her stay. No money, no babysitter, she couldn't keep a job. She tried to sell crack, but ended up getting robbed. So now what's next? It ain't nothing left to sell. So she sees sex as a way of leaving hell. It's paying the rent, so she really can't complain. Prostitute fans swing. And Brenda's her name, she's got a baby. 
Macon, and you are listening to Making a Difference with my handsome husband, Ken Macon. Do you need insurance for your car, home, life, or business? Then trust Jay Harvey, your Allstate insurance agent in Evans, Georgia. He opened his agency in 2017 because he loves helping and working with people. As a husband and father, he understands the importance of helping families prepare for the unexpected. You can get a personalized insurance quote today by calling 706-434-8106. Jay's office is located at 3118-8 William Few Parkway in Evans, Georgia. Remember, you're in good hands with Jay Harvey, your neighborhood Allstate insurance agent. What's going on, everybody? It's Knife Wonder right here, man. And you're checking out Making a Difference with my man Ken Macon. Keep it locked. Peace. This is Donald Doe and Michael Doe with Family Financial Consultants. Do you need help with Medicare, with affordable mortgage and life insurance, building an estate for your child? We provide these types of services for you and much more. As independent insurance brokers, we take pride in coming into people's homes and not only saving them money, but changing their lives. Imagine only paying a few dollars for your medicine instead of hundreds, or cutting the cost of your insurance premiums. Our goal is to provide affordable policies tailored to your individual needs. Give us a call at 803-293-8915 or 706-503-3933. Family Financial Consultants, LLC, located at 412 Edgefield Road in North Augusta, South Carolina. Agents work for companies, but a broker works for you. It's the West Coast Diva. Tell them, follow the leader. It's yo, yo. You're listening to Making the Difference with Ken Making. Welcome back to Making the Difference. I'm your host, Ken Making. Yeah, man. So, you know, and that's what I'm going to start doing with the show. When people say it better than than I can, or... Or I did. I'm going to just give those people love, man. Um, love and light, man, to the late great Tupac Shakur. Brenda's got a baby. It's amazing how you can just go back and get a point of reference on, you know, so many different things and just so many different perspectives, you know, just, I mean, throughout history. And, man, I, speaking of that, man, we got some great conversations coming up here in the, look, in the weeks to come. I uh, spoke with uh, one of the elders who actually was a part of the Augusta Riots. Um, late 60s, early 70s, and was actually a student at Payne, was uh, formerly a student at Howard, um, had a chance, to, and he, you know, spoke about, um, you know, meeting and interacting with uh, the late great Kwame Ture, whose birthday is actually today, uh, would have been 81, so once they have birthday to Kwame Ture, uh, we're going to have the elder on the podcast, I'm also going to have former Vibe um, editor, Danielle Smith, if you don't know who Danielle Smith is, she just wrote this incredible book. Uh, shine bright. It's about basically uh, forgotten black women and the some of the forgotten stories of black women in pop that you do know. Um, just a great piece. It's not only a musical anthology, but it's also uh, her personal memoir. I had a chance to talk with her uh, actually uh, for my good friends at the monitor. So just you know, love love to everybody, man. Just I'm just glad to be working, having some you know dope opportunities, man. Look, working hard and playing hard right now. I'm just just really blessed, man. You know, it's always going to be love um, when it comes to the Making a Difference movement, man. Thanks to, you know, the advertisers, my brothers. Um, haven't seen them in a while. Got to make that right, too. I, um, You know, it's just one of these ages, man, where, you know, with everything bad that's going on, you know, you really do. Um, it's, it's a time to appreciate value people, man, and to, you know, uh, to tie up loose ends and to make things right. Now, now is the time to make things right. And that, to me, that just underscores also, 
you know, when we talk about fighting for things that we believe in. Because I know for me, man, I'm not just fighting for the people. Fighting for my kids, man. Fighting for my family, man. I want us all to have um, a better life. And speaking of family, this is kind of the B side of the podcast. Because I want to talk about this video that's been making around, you know, um, this McDonald's video. Apparently, the baby mama, uh, she's trying to expose the baby dad who, you know, brought food to the house but only brought food for his kid and there were other kids over there crazy stuff i posted something about it on the make a difference facebook page and you know no, nobody really said much to me i don't know if it was because folks disagreed didn't see it um you know stood up for the father all these different things man it's look it's a lot um unfortunate and you know in in my regard look got two kids look one baby mom who just happens to be my wife <laughs> shout out her Look, I'm, I'm not laughing um, at y'all. I'm laughing with y'all um, because, like I said, I just... Some people say, look, man, when it comes to baby mamas and baby daddies, that stuff ain't none of my business. It's my business because I'm a man of the people. And what I realize is, is that my word to black folks today is don't let capitalism destroy not only the black family, but the notion of family. And I'll be very specific about what I mean by that. I take it upon myself when I see a child or when I see children who are not being taken care of and who have not been taken care of, I take that on as a personal responsibility to take care of those children when I come across them um, in any way, shape, or form. It may be a back-to-school drive. It may be a hungry child. And I just feel like generationally that's what black people have done because how many times has it been the case where the father hasn't been around for various reasons or the mother hasn't been around for various reasons? We've dealt with, as black people, trying to maintain the structure and the integrity of our family literally since our forced inception into this country, and it will continue. And so when I see videos about, you know, what this person's not taking care of that person, that's not my responsibility. It's not, like, it's, it's profoundly disappointing to me as a black man. And I understand financial obligations. I understand the burden of responsibility when it comes to, you know, not wanting to be taken advantage of by you know, a person who maybe may or may not be manipulating that situation. Truly, I understand. But my response to that is simply we got to operate on a more elevated consciousness. We have to uh, operate on a more elevated idea of community. And this is not to indict that man individually. This is not to indict that woman individually. This is a collective call of consciousness for every black man and black woman and black people who are listening to this podcast who have seen that video. Because this happens with a lot of social media discussions that occur is that everything is broken down and, and distilled down to, well, this is what happened in my relationship or this is what happened to me personally. So I'm going to use this as fuel to say black man ain't this, black woman ain't that. And that's it's such a tiring thing. The times are far too perilous for us to, you know, be debating in petty squabbles. Like the time, like if, if we can't get things right now, then honestly we're never going to get things right because there's too much going on for us to Basically, like, you know, to be getting tripped up and, you know, knocked down by, you know, like, scenarios and conversations that, like, honestly, our history has taught us that, you know, that this is, it's a small thing to a giant. Like, we're going to take care of, we're going to take care of our kids, their kids, everybody's kids. Point blank, period. That's, that's our way. And anything less is honestly unacceptable. With that said, I want to thank you guys so much for listening in to Making a Difference. Uh, thank you so much for your continued support. I'm forever grateful and thank you for listening. I'm Ken Macon. Love you guys so much. Peace and God bless. Now listen.
This episode of Making a Difference and every episode moving forward will honor the life and legacy of my dear brother, James Macon. James had a way of telling the truth that endeared him to family and made him respected by his friends and peers. That standard is now my gift and my burden of responsibility. Long live St. James. When you listen to Making a Difference, you're listening to independent black media. And we need your support now more than ever. When it comes to making a difference, there are a lot of different ways that you can show love to what we're doing here. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. On Facebook, it's facebook.com backslash making, M-A-K-I-N, a different show. On Twitter, the handle is difference making, M-A-K-I-N. You can also support us financially through both Cash App and Patreon. Patreon, it's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com backslash making a difference show. You can also support us on Cash App at dollar sign making a different show. Thank you in advance for your support, and I love you so much. Peace. The revolution will not be televised. You see, a lot of times people see, 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 see battles and skirmishes on TV, and they say, aha, the revolution is being televised. Nah, the results of the revolution are being televised. The first revolution is when you change your mind about how you look at things and see that there might be another way to look at it that you have not been shown. What you see later on is the results of that, but the revolution, that change that takes place, will not be televised.